I'm just asking for your first reaction. A legend in Gail Sayers dead at the age of 77. You know, you keep speaking about people who were old enough to see him play, and my father was. And it was my father's favorite running back. And Brian Song was a movie that uh, my dad got me to watch on VHS. And he was played um, by Billy D. Williams. And, and, I, and I just remember, you know, watching that movie and seeing that relationships and seeing the old black and white film. He was kind of the first Christian McCaffrey. He was the first Alvin Kamara. He was the guy that returned kicks and, and did other things. And so... Uh, he was an amazing part of our history of this league, uh, an amazing part of our history uh, as, as black as black men and as black players. And so it's, it's truly uh, a sad day, but a day that we get an opportunity to remember a legend and speak about a man who was one of the greatest running backs to play this game, even if it was only for a very short time. And, and give him and give him his just due, give him his flowers, give him his shine. Uh, and, and, and I know there are many people in his family that will miss him, but for me, a guy who father, you know, idolized uh, Gail Sayers, it, it really hits home, and, you know, so prayers to his family, prayers to his loved ones, and all those fans in Chicago uh, who, who, who grew up or who knew about how much Gail Sayers meant to their organization. Mine too, I can tell you that, Ryan. At, at any time in my entire career that I've talked about great running backs, my father would call me and he would say, if you leave Gail Sayers out of the conversation, then you don't know what you're talking about. People, again, people old enough to have seen him Still marvel at how skilled he was. Desmond, uh, again, your reaction this morning to the sad news. Gail Sayers dead at the age of 77. Yeah, Green, just really shook, shook to the core to hear that because he, you know, he represented so much, uh, not only as a player, but as a person. Uh, I remember growing up in Cleveland. Back then, I grew up in an era where we watched guys like Tony Dorsett and Walter Payton. But I remember my uncle telling me one time, he said, I know you like Walter Payton's sweetness. But check out this guy, Gail Sayers. Do your homework on Gail Sayers. And then just finding out the type of player he was, the type of person he was, like you and RC just alluded to, the, the Brian song, such a strong movie, the relationship he had with his teammate. And then watching him on the field and just how graceful he was. But then also after he retired and meeting him, he had such pride, such dignity, uh, carried himself with such poise. He was just a man to look up to, so very just shaken to hear that we lost a giant in Gail Sayers today. Welcome into another edition of A Transports Talk Podcast. And at least for now, this first segment is going to be dedicated to the life and memory of truly one of the NFL's greatest all time running backs, all time athletes. Gail Sayers. Some may not know he actually played his high school ball right here in Wichita, Kansas. Went on and became a star at the University of Kansas and etched his name in the record books as a Chicago Bears. Talking about none other than the late Gail Sayers. Former Chicago Bears star Gail Sayers is considered one of the greatest running backs in the history of the NFL, despite a career sh cut short by knee injuries, has died at age 77 after living with dementia. Known as the Kansas Comet, Sayers was voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1977 
despite playing just seven seasons, all with the Bears. At 34, he was the youngest player ever inducted. All those who love the game of football mourn the loss of one of the greatest to ever play this game, with the passing of Chicago Bears legend Gail Sayers, Hall of Fame President and CEO David Baker said in a statement. He was the very essence of a team player, quiet, unassuming, and always ready to compliment a teammate for a key block. Gail was an extraordinary of adversity during his NFL career and life. Sears was a five-time All-Pro who averaged five yards per carry for his career and twice led the league in rushing, including in 1969, 1,030 yards after having torn the ACL and MCL in his right knee late in the previous season. We'll miss a great friend who helped me become the player I became because after practicing and scrimmaging against Gale, I knew I could play against anybody, said Hall of Fame linebacker and former teammate Dick Buckus. We lost one of the best Bears ever, and more importantly, we lost a great person. Buckus, Butkus said he didn't even he hadn't even seen Sayers play until a highlight film was shown at an event in New York that both attended honoring the 1964 All-America team. He said the real-life version of Sayers was even better. He was amazing. I still attribute a lot of my success from trying to tackle him in practice. Buckus said at the Bears' 100th anniversary celebration in June 2019, I never came up against a running back like him in my whole career, as far as a halfback. And that was counting O.J. Simpson and a couple of other guys he added. No one could touch this guy. The Bears drafted Sayers and Buckus with back-to-back picks in 1965, taking Buckus at number three, Sayers at number four. It didn't take long for Sayers to win over veterans who had helped the Bear who had helped the Bears take the NFL championship in 1963. We were both number ones, so they're going to make it hard on us and show us the ropes and everything else Bucket said. Miguel just ran circles around everybody quickly. They adopted him. Commissioner Roger Goodell said in a statement Wednesday, the NFL family lost a true friend today with the passing of Gail Sayers. Gail was one of the finest men in, the, in NFL history and one of the game's most exciting players. Gail was an electrifying and elusive runner who thrilled fans every time he touched the ball. He earned his place as a first ballot Hall of Famer. We will also forever remember Gale for his inspiration and kindness. Gale's quiet, unassuming demeanor belied his determination, competitiveness, and compassion. Bears chairman George McCaskey noted that there was more to Sayers' legacy than playing football. Football fans know well Gale's many accomplishments on the field, a rare combination of speed and power as the game's most electrifying runner, a dangerous kick returner, has come back from a serious knee injury to lead the league in rushing and becoming the youngest player inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
people who weren't even football fans came to know Gil through the TV movies Brian saw about his friendship with teammate Brian Piccolo. Fifty years later, the movie's message that brotherhood and love needn't be defined by skin color still resonates, McCaskey said in a statement. A major injury to Sayers left knee in 1970 was too much for him to overcome. He retired in 1971. His career numbers are 4,956 yards and 39 touchdowns on the ground came primarily over five seasons as he played sparingly in 1970 and 71. As a returner, Sayers was also devastating, scoring six touchdowns and averaging more than 30 yards per kickoff return two touchdowns and 14.5 yards per punt return. Legendary Bears coach George Hallis, as he presented Sayers for his Hall induction, said, if you want to see perfection as a running back, you best get a hold of a film of Gail Sayers. He was poetry in motion. His light will never be seen again. Sayers was born in Wichita, Kansas and was an All-American at Kansas. He was a first-round pick of Bears in 1965 and once scored six touchdowns in the game. Yet, it was his rock-steady friendship with Brian Piccolo depicted in the film's Brian Song that marked him as more than a sports star. The friendship between Sayers and backfield mate Piccolo began in 1967. When the two became unlikely roommates, Sayers was black and already a star. Piccolo was white and had worked his way up from the practice squad. Early on, they were competing for playing time and carries. But when the club dropped its policy of segregating players by race in hotel room assignments, they forged a bond. In 1968, Piccolo helped Sayers through a tough rehab process while he recovered from a torn ligament his right knee. After Sayers returned the next season to become an All-Pro, he made sure his friend shared in the credit. They became even closer after Piccolo poured himself out of the game early in the 1969 season because of breathing difficulties and was diagnosed with cancer. That phase of their friendship was, was recounted first by Sayers in his autobiography. autobiography. I am third. And then in the 1971 movie, Brian picked Brian's song. With actor Billy D. Williams playing Sayers and James Kahn in Piccolo's role, the made-for-TV movie was later released in theaters. Sayers stayed by Piccolo's side as the illness took its toll, donating blood and providing support. Just days before Piccolo's death, age 26, Sayers received the George S. Hallis Award for Courage and said, You flatter me by giving me this award, but I can tell you here and now that I accept it for Brian Piccolo. I love Brian Piccolo, and i like all of you to love him too. Tonight, when you hit your knees, please ask God to love him. Williams said Wednesday, My heart is broken over the loss of my dear friend Gail Sayers. Portraying Gail in Brian's song was a true honor and one of the, 
one of the highlights of my career. He was an extraordinary human being with the kindest heart. My sincerest condolences to his family. Sayers was named to the NFL's 75th anniversary team in 1994 at halfback and kick returner, the only player named at two positions. Sayers' family earlier this year discussed his experience with dementia. His brother, Roger Sayers, told the Kansas City Star in a phone interview that it's tough to build memories all your life, and the next thing you know, you don't remember anything. After his playing days, Sayers served as athletic director at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, and founded several technology and consulting businesses. He was also a philanthropist for several inner-city Chicago youth initiatives. So there you have it, this first segment, highlighting Gail Sayers, his accomplishments, on and off the field and the man he was and the type of man that we would like to see in today's society. Gail Sayers, Kansas Comet, gone but not forgotten. Stay tuned. This train is building up steam. We will be back some more after this word from my sponsor. So now, sticking with the NFL, welcome back. NFL Week 2 injuries with Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey out. Who's up next? The collective brewing you heard on Sunday was from NFL fantasy players. Two of the top two running backs, the Carolina Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, and New York Jets' Saquon Barkley left their respective game with injuries. Barkley was lost to a torn ACL. McCaffrey has a high ankle sprain and is expected to miss multiple weeks. Here we're going to take a look at players who were injured in week two, their status, and who the next player up will be. Starting with the Atlanta Falcons, Caleb McGarry, right tackle, knee injury. What's next? Adam Schefter reported the fear is McGarry suffered a sprained MCL. Matt Gono replaced McGarry and did an admirable job before surrendering some pressure later in the game. The Falcons seem to have faith in Gono, but he's no first-round pick like McGarry was. Journeyman John Wetzel is the other tackle. Falcons probably need to find a veteran with starting experience somewhere. Tack McKinley, defensive end, growing. What's next? It's unclear how much time McKinley might miss, but the Falcons will have to rely on Stephen Means alongside Dante Fowler Jr. Right now, with versatile John Kaminsky also capable of playing inside and out. Kenley has his fifth-year option declined, and he had been playing motivated with a chip on his shoulder. Ricardo Allen, safety, elbow. What's next? Falcons entered the season starting three safeties with Allen and Canoe Neal, 
playing in the box and DeMonte Kazee at free safety. Allen's snaps were limited in the open. Allen has a hyperextended elbow, so the Falcons might have to nix the idea of that three safety look for now, depending on what's going on at linebacker. Up next, the Baltimore Ravens, Tavon Young, cornerback, knee. What's next? Young appears to have a season-ending left knee injury, Coach John Harbaugh said. On the Ravens' second defensive series, Young leaped to break up a pass and landed hard on the NRG Stadium turf. The only positive is the Ravens are deep at cornerback. Jimmy Smith, who was a six-year starter for Baltimore 2013-2018, will play on the outside on three-wide set and starter Marlon Humphrey move to cover the slot. This is the latest setback for Young, who has missed two of the previous three full seasons due to injury. We know he'll tackle this challenge as well, Harbaugh said. Carolina Panthers, Christian McCaffrey running back, ankle, lower leg. What's next? McCaffrey has a high ankle sprain and is expected to miss multiple weeks. The Panthers announced Monday. NFL's highest-paid running back, $16 million a year, didn't return after limping off the field following a seven-yard touchdown run with just over 13 minutes remaining. McCaffrey will be replaced by Mike Davis, who finished the game and had eight catches for 74 yards. Rule has been high on Davis all training camp. Mike's a good player, Rule said Sunday. He made some good plays. He's a threat out of the backfield. We'll see what happens with Christian. The Denver Broncos. Drew Locke. Quarterback shoulder. What's next? Locke was injured on a sack in the first quarter of Sunday's loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is expected to miss two to six weeks if an MRI exam on Monday confirms that the Broncos medical staff believed was a sprain on his right throwing shoulder. Jeff Driscoll was the Broncos' pick in the offseason to be Locke's backup on a two-year, $5 million deal, and it should be Driscoll behind center with Brett Rippon, who is currently on the team's practice squad, expected to be the backup. If the Broncos don't protect the passer any better than they did against the Steelers, seven sacks, 19 quarterback hits, they may want to keep the names of some other quarterbacks handy. Portland Sutton, wide receiver, shoulder and knee. What's next? Sutton will undergo an MRI on Monday. He missed the opener with a shoulder injury and then left the loss in Pittsburgh in the second half with a knee injury. The Broncos will lean on rookies Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler to go with Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton in the short term. Judy, Hamler, and Patrick each had at least five targets in Sunday's game. The Broncos also showed they were effective in the second half in their two tight end sets, and that was going to have to be a consideration even before Sutton left Sunday's game. Draymond Jones, defensive end, knee. What's next? Jones, too, will be at what figures to be a crowded room of players getting an MRI on Monday. Jones left Sunday's game in the second half and did not return. 
if Jones has to miss some time, the Broncos may have to push rookie McTelvin Agum into the lineup. Agum was a game day inactive against the Steelers, but he showed some quickness and impact in pass rushing situations in training camp. The Broncos have just one defensive lineman on the practice squad, Deshaun Williams, who was with the team in training camp. Green Bay Packers, Devontae Adams, wide receiver, hamstring. What's next? Adams dropped out in the second half and did not return. But that could have been because the Packers were on cruise control against the Lions, who did everything they could to try to take away Adams. Three catches for 36 yards. Coach Matt LaFleur ignored a question about Adams' status after the game. The Packers on Sunday leaned heavily on Aaron Jones, who had 236 total yards from scrimmage. That's what they did last year when Adams missed four games. Because of turf toe, and it's what they could do again. They also have more experience at the number twos and three receiver spots with Alan Lazard and Marquise Valdez-Scanley, who each have a touchdown catch already this season. The Indianapolis Colts, Paris Campbell, wide receiver, knee. What's next? Campbell had to be carted off the field after he suffered a left knee injury in the first quarter. The Colts don't know the severity of the injury yet, but Coach Frank Wright, who was near Campbell when the injury occurred, said it didn't look good. Losing Campbell will put more pressure on rookie receiver Michael Pittman Jr. USC product had four catches for 37 yards against Minnesota on Sunday. Malik Hooker, safety, Achilles. What's next? Any injury involving and Achilles isn't a good one. Hooker suffered the injury in the first half. Rookie Julian Blackman replaced Hooker in the lineup. Blackman had a pass defense on throw, a down the field that would have been a 20-plus yard reception, and he deflected the pass that was intercepted by fellow safety Kari Willis. Sunday was Blackman's first game since he tore his ACL in the Pac-12 championship game for Utah in December 2019. Jacksonville Jaguars, Brandon Linder, center, knee. What's next? Coach Doug Marone said after the game that Linder's status is uncertain and he'll be evaluated on Monday. The problem for the Jaguars is that is that this is a short week. They play the Miami Dolphins on Thursday. And that may keep Linder from being able to play even if the knee injury isn't serious. Tyler Shately relieved Linder and would be the starter. Bright guard A.J. Kahn also has snapped and likely would be the backup. D.J. Hayden, quarterback concussion. What's next? Hayden left the game on the Titans' final drive and did not return. He's the Jaguars' nickelback and essentially a starter, as well as their defensive their best defensive back. As with Linder, the short week may hurt his chances of playing on Thursday if he is diagnosed with a concussion and doesn't clear the protocol quickly enough. Rookie Chris Claybrooks, who is also the Jaguars' punt and kick returner replace Hayden, 
If he does not start there on Thursday, then it may be rookie Josiah Scott who gets the call. The Los Angeles Chargers, Tyrod Taylor, was next. Taylor told the Chargers he was experiencing chest pains after warm-ups under prompting number six overall pick Justin Hugh, Hugh Herbert to start at the last minute. Herbert performed well, going 22 for 33 for 311 yards, two touchdowns, one of them on the ground, and one interception. But Chargers coach Anthony Lynn didn't sound as if he wanted to make a change after the 23-20 overtime loss to the Chiefs. I'm going to wait and see what type of health Tyrod is in. Lynn said, if he's 100% ready to go, he's our starter. But I know Justin can pick up the slack. The Los Angeles Rams, Cam Akers, running back, ribs. What's next? Akers suffered a rib injury when he was tackled on a five-yard carry during the Rams' opening series, and the rookie's second-round pick did not return. Coach Sean McVay said after the game he did not have an update on the severity of the injury. Because of the Rams' committee approach at running back, their run game did not suffer in Akers' absence as Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown rushed for 81 and 47 yards, respectively. Malcolm Brown, running back, finger, was next. Brown suffered a finger injury late in the game that kept him on the sideline. Henderson, as mentioned above, will handle the bulk of the carries of Akers and Brown are out. Joe Noteboom, left guard calf, was next. Noteboom went down with a calf injury in the third quarter and did not return. McVeigh did not have an update on the severity of the injury. Second-year pro David Edwards, who started 10 games last season, replaced Noteboom at guard. Miami Dolphins, Byron Jones, quarterback, cornerback, groin injury. Jones left Sunday's game early in the first quarter with a groin injury and didn't return. Coach Brian Flores didn't have an immediate update on his status post-game. But it's fair to conclude the Dolphins may have to prepare to be without him for their quick turnaround game Thursday at Jacksonville. Pressure is on rookie first-round pick Noah Igbendogon who struggled covering Stephon Diggs on Sunday. Without Jones, the secondary allowed Josh Allen to throw for a career-high 417 yards and provide tape on how to expose the rest of the defensive backs. Minnesota Vikings, Anthony Barr, linebacker, shoulder. The Pro Bowl linebacker was knocked out of the Colts game with a shoulder injury replaced by rookie Troy Dye, who also got hurt in Indianapolis. We ran out of linebackers there for a little bit, Coach Mike Zimmer said. The Vikings were left scrambling in the second quarter as their strongest defensive unit took a significant hit, which played into how poorly they defended the run. If Barr was to miss time, Eric Wilson could fill his role next to Eric Kendricks, 
when the Vikings are in their nickel defense. They're in base and die is healthy. He'll get bars snaps. Take a break right here and slip in the word from my sponsor. And when I come back, I'll have more on the NFL injury report. So stay tuned. A Train Sports Talk podcast. This is yours truly, Anthony Smith. Welcome back, and we have more to this injury report. We now look at the New York Giants. Saquon Barkley, running back, knee. What's next? And MRI confirmed that Barkley has a torn ACL. He will undergo surgery, the team announced Monday. That puts the Giants in a serious bind. Barkley is irreplaceable. The Giants built their offense around the talented third-year running back. They used Deion Lewis on Sunday during a 17-13 loss in Chicago. And Wayne Gallman will also see an increase in playing time moving forward. But the injury is a crushing blow to the Giants and Barkley, who is eligible for a contract extension after this season. Let me also add that something that wasn't in these notes is that the Giants have also signed former Pro Bowler, former Atlanta Falcons running back, Devontae Freeman. So just as soon as they get him some reps in practice, I'm pretty sure you'll see him in the lineup as well. And they'll probably do a running back by committee unless somebody takes the reins and become that feature back. Sterling Shepard, wide receiver, toe. What's next? If losing Barkley wasn't enough, Shepard injured his toe while being tackled late in the first half of Sunday. He tried to return, but on the first play of the second half, realized it wasn't going to happen. That opened the door for Golden Tate, who has, who was slated to be the third receiver, to see a spike in his usage. Tate now becomes even more important moving forward. He caught five balls with 57 yards in the second half in Chicago. C.J. Board also will enter the mix if Shepard can't return. The New York Jets, Rashad Perryman, Wide receiver, ankle. Another hit to the receiving core, which already was down. Jamison Crowder, hamstring, and Denzel Mims, hamstring. Without Perryman, the Jets were down to Chris Hogan, Braxton Bart Berrios, and Josh Malone, a patchwork group. Perryman's status for week three against the Colts is uncertain. The team is hopeful that Crowder can return. Connor McGovern, center, hamstring. McGovern didn't finish the game. Never a good sign. His status for week three against the Colts is uncertain, pending test on Monday. He was replaced by ex-coach Josh Andrews, who would get odd if McGovern can't play. One of the key offseason acquisitions, McGovern is the leader of the line, and they helped the QB Sam Darnold. His absence also would hurt the interior running game. San Francisco 49ers, Nick Bosa, defensive end, knee. What's next? Niners coach Kyle Shanahan said Bosa most likely has a torn ACL in his left knee, which would end Bosa's second season. The loss of Bosa is devastating to a team that has invested serious resources into his defensive line. The Niners were already thin at edge rusher, and they have nobody who can come close to Bosa's production. Now, veteran Kerry Hyder 
will get a chance to step in. But expect the 49ers to keep seeking help there as they wait for Ronald Blair to return from the physically unable to perform list. Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, ankle. Garoppolo has a right high ankle sprain, according to Shanahan. That's an injury that generally means missed time, although Shanahan indicated that determination wouldn't be made until they see how Garoppolo feels this week. Nick Mullins will step in if Garoppolo can't play in week three. Raheem Mostert, running back, knee. Mostert is dealing with a mild MCL sprain in his knee that cost him the second half of Sunday's game. That is an injury that will probably cost him games, but how many will depend on what an upcoming MRI reveals. If Mostert is out, the 49ers will turn to a committee of Jarrett McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, and Jeff Wilson to fill the void. Coleman also departed Sunday's game with a knee injury, though, so the Niners might need to add another back for next week. Solomon Thomas, defensive tackle, knee. The Niners fear that Thomas also has a torn ACL. Shanahan said there was more optimism about Thomas than there was for Bosa. Either way, Thomas will miss some games, and the Niners will need rookie Javon Kenlaw to continue to develop as he gets more work in Thomas' stadium. Kentava Street and Kevin Givens will provide the depth. Seattle Seahawks, Marquise Blair, safety, nickelback, knee. Blair left Sunday night's game for good in the second quarter when his right knee was hit by teammate K.J. Wright, causing it to bend awkwardly. Blair will undergo an MRI to determine the severity. Coach Pete Carroll said it's probably fairly serious. Blair had moved from nickelback to free safety when Quandre Diggs was ejected. Ugo Amadi took over at Nickelback and drew praise from Carroll, who said the 2019 fourth-round pick did really well by making eight tackles, including one for loss. Amadi, 5'9", 21 pounds, is built like a traditional Nickelback, so the Seahawks will lose some of the size and physicality they had with Blair, who was one of the standouts of camp, as he made a strong transition to that position. Tennessee Titans, Jonathan Joseph, cornerback, lay. Joseph didn't return to the game after exiting in the fourth quarter. Rookie Christian Fulton came in to take Joseph's place. The Titans are already without Adoree Jackson, knee, for at least one more game since he's on injured reserve. The Washington football team, Brandon Scherf, right guard, knee, Scherf, suffered a right knee injury and was carted off the field in the first half. Coach Ron Rivera said they would update Scherf's status Monday. If Scherf has to miss substantial time, it would be a blow to a Washington offensive line that has struggled. Wes Schreitzer, who had who has 36 career starts, replaced Scherf. The left side of Washington's line will endured growing pains all season with tackle Jerron Christian and guard Wes Martin. They needed the right 
outside the surf and tackle Morgan Moses to lead the way. There you have injury report coming in from the second week. And this will do it for this episode of A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I will be back tomorrow with some more news. Give you updates on what's going on in Major League Baseball and the playoff hunt, as well as the NBA playoffs and the WNBA. So, check back tomorrow for another show. And coming up this weekend, especially on Friday, I will be doing the high school football scores across the state of Kansas. So I'm going to call that the Friday night high school blitz. So Friday night, it will be the Friday night high school blitz. And I'm going to reach out to a city league coach, see if I can get him on my show for Saturday. So. I'm looking at doing some things and getting some people on here. So check back with me tomorrow. And like I said, we'll be looking to the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball standings, playoff implications, and the WNBA. So as I sign off, I want to say take care of yourself and each other. And have a blessed night. This is A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Signing off.